Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. This week, you're going to be introduced to Joe Pettit, who has an amazing backstory that he will share with you. But what I'd like to tell you about him is quickly becoming one of the hottest speakers on resilience. And when you hear his story, you will understand why. He focuses on personal development and leadership as a means for producing results. And when you look at the testimonies on his website, you will see that people who have worked and heard Joe speak say he's the real deal. So Joe, you do have an amazing backstory and how you're, we are even sitting here today having this conversation. Why don't you share some of that and then we'll dive into kind of what your path is and what you've learned along the way. Sure. Thanks so much. And and yeah, so I grew up in a small town in South Carolina called Union, South Carolina. So when you picture small town you probably have it correct, okay? Uh, so that's where I grew up. I grew up in a two-bedroom home. There's a family of five. So needless to say, we grew up a little bit under middle class, but a little bit above the, the lower class. But I learned so many things by being the youngest of three. Uh, I have two older brothers. And so to say that the hard knock life was kind of how I grew up would be an understatement. But there's so much to be learned from those types of experience, whether it's being uh your, your hand being sliced a little bit with a hatchet from a, a brother, or whether it's just learning how to fight through the labels, so to speak, of how you don't stay stuck, if you will, in small town. So I was the first in my family who actually graduated high school the traditional way. I went on to lead many different extracurricular clubs, went on to be a college uh, athlete, I played quarterback at a private college in South Carolina. And so my story starts there, but then there was about 12 years that fell into a, a, a void, into a black hole, if you will. Some days that I'd love to be able to get back because I became uh, an addict. And that just happened through the years. It didn't just happen. Let me, let me back that up. It didn't just happen. <laughs> it happened by choice. And so what happens is that you start to believe those lies that you're still doing good enough because you're able to provide for your family. And, um, and then that fast forwards into just several years ago, Sarah, where I was able to actually become completely free of any alcohol or drugs. And, you know, I think that that's the credit where I am today. I know it is because I was able to be so resilient because if anybody's ever struggled, whether it's eating, whether it's lying, whether it's drugs, gambling, whatever the addiction may be, it is not easy to overcome. So let's talk a little bit about choice. Because sometimes I think it's easy to go, okay, I know when I'm making a choice or a decision, right? It's that big, like, do I want to do this or do I want to do this? But sometimes the choices are almost microscopic. They're choices about how we think about ourselves. And of course, when you said labels and all of that, you're speaking my limit, my life, right? So I'm going, labels are, they can be really terrible for us, especially if we believe them. So what were the choices, those minute choices that led you first down kind of the addiction path? And then how did you start shifting those? Because that can feel overwhelming to somebody. Well, the things that I started, if you look at the word believe, in the middle of the word believe is L-I-E. And so as you start accepting the lies that you tell yourself, so I was telling myself it was okay to have six or seven drinks after work because you went to work. And then what happens over time is that those things start to stack and they start to compound one on top of the other. And what I didn't realize was all of the harm and hurt that I was doing because I have three children currently, but two who saw me go through the stage of addiction. 
And I didn't realize the harm that was happening there. I also didn't realize how it was causing a lot of friction, uh, as you could imagine, in my with my wife as well. And so the addiction started to compound, and those little bitty choices started to compound into something that there was a breaking point. And so what happened three years ago is that I left home, and I said, you know what, I, I'm going to continue believing those little and uh, making those choices to go out on my own. And then the next thing I know is that I have left my family to fend for themselves at home while I'm out partying. So with that being said, it's one of those things that leads to where I realize, am I going to live that life? Am I going to be like the generations prior who had led a life of addiction into divorce? Or am I going to step up and make the second toughest decision and come back home and do the right thing? So the fact that you and I are talking tells me that you made the second decision, the harder decision. Absolutely. What were the things you had to give up besides what you were addicted to, right? Mm-hmm. Your substances, your behaviors. What were some of the other things you had to let go of to step into who Joe is and was becoming? Sure. I think the biggest part was really believing. Like, And as I mentioned, that I came from a small town. And so... Every time you step out of that small town, people will say, oh, you're from fill in the blank. Oh, that's just all of who you are. And you're only expected to go to, let's say, level three, when really there's level 10 and 20 and 30 out there. And, and so it was, yeah, the second choice was very hard to make. But when you stop believing that that's who you're created to be and you understand that there are greater things, you're able to start dreaming again because why is it as a child we can believe that we can be a lawyer and a marine biologist and an astronaut? Well, what happens is people start telling us things that we can't do it and we start believing that. And so when I started removing the addiction and started, because any counselor will tell you, you must remove a bad habit and replace it with a good one. And so once I started doing a little bit of listening to motivational videos, listen to Les Brown, listen to John Maxwell, listen to these great talkers. Uh, of of how I could be inspired to live a better life, I actually started believing the words that they were saying. It became a possibility for you then, yes? <laughs> yes, but yes. So now here you are, you do motivational speaking. Is that what you do full-time or are you still doing a job? What What's your life like now? Well, so, yeah, so my main job is... I work for Charleston County School District as a nutrition administrator. So basically, I oversee the operations of the um, school nutrition, the food service uh, for the district for about 10 or 12 schools. And then I do all of the training and development for our department as well. So I do that during 240 days out of the year. And then when I get off, I come to my garage where I'm sitting currently. And with the blackboard that's right behind me, I start delivering my talks and getting prepared and getting ready. I have one coming up this week, and then I'll have several more coming up as well. And so honestly, other than that, I have three beautiful children, a wife. We lead a marriage ministry at, at our church as well. And so there's a, there's a lot that goes on. Sounds pretty full. And what a great position that you have in your quote unquote day job to even reach more people and inspire them, right, through your through your own speaking and your interactions with? Yes, I absolutely love the platform that I have because I believe that we are where we are on purpose. And I believe that we have to look at it and be intentional about how we add value to every single place that we are. And so I love it because I have 50,000 students and about 5,000 employees that I get to interact with one way or the other, directly or indirectly, 
so that I can not only give them something, but also gain something from their insights and, and just the, the inspiration that they give me all the time. It's fun for me when you talked about what you do with nutritional services. I'm thinking, well, how perfect that you do nutritional for the body and also for the mind and beliefs. I just mm-hmm. like, that's kind of like the whole package thing. Yeah. So um, I love it. Let me ask you this. When I was learning a little bit more about you, you said that one of the things that really impacted you was hearing Alex Sheen and his speaking on Because I Said I Would, and that it had a big impact on you. So I'm not familiar with Alex. Could you share with our guests, I mean, with our podcast listeners and with me more about that and how that kind of helped flip the switch for you? Absolutely. So I have to say that it was about a year into sobriety and I was given the opportunity for my work to go to our national conference. And so he, I had done the research on who the keynote speakers and I am a conference junkie. If I could live a life and I will one day because I'll be going to speak and then I'll just hang around. I'll just hang out at conferences all the time. Uh, it's it's going to happen. I promise. But I love them because I love that you can grow and learn. And so when I was looking at Alex, I was like, oh, this is a great story. I have never heard anyone speak and deliver a message that has impacted me like Alex's did. His nonprofit is because I said I would. He had me in tears and he had me laughing. I was sitting front row at about probably six, seven thousand people. And I was holding on to every word he was talking about, because what he says is that he has promise cards. And in his promise cards, he says it's not only hard for people to keep a promise, but it's also hard for people to make a promise. And so because people are afraid to keep it, they just won't make it. And I watched him and and it just, I am going to meet him. I actually met him. Let me just take that back. I took a picture with him, but I'm going to share the stage with him one day. I'm speaking that into reality already. And because his mission is to serve and to be able to add value to people for the greater good of all. So Alex Sheen, yeah, that, that speech will be one that I'll forever remember. So when you walked away from that speech, did you feel different? Absolutely. Did you start making commitments? Yes, because here's the thing. I've always been one who wasn't the best at closing deals because of my personality. I'm in the desk desk profile. I am the I. I am the one that's, you know, you're encourager, you're optimistic, you're motivated. But one of my weaknesses is that I may not finish a task. Okay. And so the first promise that I made, and I have searched this entire house and I can't find it. The card that I made is that at that time, we had just found out my wife was pregnant with our now 13 month old child. Is that I said that I would be at every single doctor's appointment because I said I would. And of course I upheld uh, that promise. So that was just one part, but riding back from Atlanta, back to Charleston, after hearing his speech, I continued to just create visions and create goals. I even pulled to the side of the road once and wrote some of those down. And I have been on a mission since 2017 to not only satisfy goals that happened that day, but creating a much bigger vision of of where I see and the impact I see for myself and my family. So let's talk a little bit about the importance of goals and being specific like you were, because that whole thing of making a promise that you would be at all of the doctor's visits is very concrete. And it's one of those, like you can say, did he do it? Did he not do it, right? You can say, was he accountable to his promise? No gray area on that. So what's the importance of goals from your perspective and those that you also lead? 
goals are it. And as many people say, if it's not written, then it, it didn't happen. And it, I don't believe that it, it's can happen. And I believe many studies will say that you're 24 to 25 times more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down. I'll take the odds every day when you give me 25 more times likely to achieve something. So writing goals, and I did it in high school. I mean, there was no other way that I could have went from a two-bedroom home and been able to go and earn a full scholarship to college had I not wrote goals. And so what I realized is that by writing goals, you're really holding yourself accountable. And many people say, do you visit it daily? Do you visit it weekly? I just want people to begin writing their goals. And then we can talk about maybe here in just a second, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you also have to believe that you can achieve the goals as well. That's not too far ahead because I'm right with you on that. Because you can write a whole bunch of stuff, but as you were saying, you were speaking into your future, right? You're just like, this is going to happen. You're not telling me that it only can happen in one way. You just know it's going to happen and you keep moving towards it. Am I following you? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have any doubt that you and Alex, you're going to be simpatico on a stage together, right? I don't doubt it either. So talk about how you help folks get from the, like, here's my goal. I want to do this, or I'm going to do this, to that chatter that starts almost immediately, right? It's like, yeah, but that's not you. You came from a small town. You're only this, you're that, or that person's already done it. All of that little subtle stuff that can get in the way. How do you help people get beyond that? So I I think first being aware that it's coming. Like There's no denying that you're going to begin doubting yourself. And the worst part, Sarah, is that what people will do is that they will doubt, not only will they allow people to deposit lies into their belief bank, which is what I call the mindset, they'll allow people to deposit those lies, but even worse is when we do it. And so when we're the ones depositing the lies, we have to quickly recognize it. And I believe, I mean, I, I kid you not, I carried around a note card. And so I knew that I was a procrastinator. I knew that I struggled a little bit with believing that I could go and speak to lawyers and doctors and white collar workers because I'd never been that. So I come from a small town. And so there's no way you can do that, Joe. And so I wrote on a card some I am statements. And I know a lot of people talk about this, but knowledge is only a piece of it. If you apply that knowledge and you begin to write down I am statements. So when I would think about it, I would pull out the note card, kid you not, out of my pocket. And I would read it. No, no, no. I am created for greatness. I am a leader. I am confident. And say it out loud because then you're able to combat the lies that you begin to tell yourself. And so by writing it, the goals that is, and then you start to believe that you can achieve it, then you start to shut those things down. But I also will say that how you set up your daily routine is how you will be able to conquer your mind, how you start your day and how you end your day. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. And so when when I started to what I call in, in my five P's is that you you have to plan. And that's the part where you write your goals down. That's your vision. There's two parts of your vision and then how you write the goals to a, a, attach reality to the vision. And then the next part is that you actually have to prep. And, and I use this because I, I love to grow food and I love to garden. And so the first thing you do with a garden, you plan out your plot. The next thing you do is you prep the plot. And so you have to remove the weeds. OK. And so the the weeds would have been the addiction or or the lies that we tell ourselves or the the lack of confidence. And so what I started doing before I plant the seeds is that you have to remove the weeds. And then in your morning routine, from the time you wake up, I mean, from the time that you even the alarm thinks about going off, your conscious mind is telling you, no, 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 go back to bed. 
no, 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 you're too tired. And you cannot live in that type of mindset. So the first thing that I do on most days, I am not perfect, okay? But what I try to always do is that when I wake up, I just say something that I'm grateful for. What, what is my mission for the day? And then immediately I go into listening to motivational videos. I think we have similar mornings. <laughs> well, part because no. you can, if you, and then talk about how you end your day, because I also know that that sets, at least for me, it sets me up so that when I wake up, I'm actually not just churning like, okay, I've got to do this and this and this and this. And I'm able to say, man, it's going to be a great day, right? I'm grateful for what, whatever, right? Yes, so sir. talk about how your evening or how your closeout is. So. I believe that a couple of things that cause us the most friction in the morning is what we wear and what we eat. Okay. And so what I want to do is I want to eliminate this friction. And so at night I'm going to pick out my clothes and I'm going to iron them and I'm going to go ahead and cook and prepare my breakfast. So that once I wake up in the morning, it's a smooth flow. So before I go to bed at night and my wife helps a lot with this, I'm very grateful for her is that we make sure that those two things are aligned. And then my, my uh, backpack to go to the gym is all packed with everything it needs to have. I need to eliminate any excuses in the morning. And so before I go to bed at night, I'm setting the tone for the next day. And so what I'm doing at night, you know, some people say, you know, don't look at your phone 30 minutes before you go to sleep or so on and so forth. I, I, I'm with that. But I believe if I get my clothes ready, the food ready and pack my bag for the next day and I go ahead and write out and check my calendar then I know what the next day is bringing as opposed to being reactive. Now I'm being proactive the night before. And don't you find you relax a little bit more because you've done that? You don't have to doubt yourself. I know those mornings where I'm thinking, what am I doing this morning? Yes. But then I ask myself, I'm going, well, this was a conversation you should have had yesterday, Sarah, <laughs> right? This question, you're asking a little late to have a smooth day now. So you need to like go whoop, whoop, whoop rewind and Absolutely. reset. And you're so right, because how can I make the choice? We talked about choices earlier. How can I make the choice to set up tomorrow to be the best day that it can be? And that is the question, right? And sometimes, I don't know, have you ever read the book, The One Thing? I believe you're the third person this week who has brought that up. So no. But so what's your message? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, t- it kind of supports what you're talking about, because even if you're feeling overwhelmed, or you're going, okay, I'm just going to like, this is what I, how I end my day. One of the habits I started getting into was just to say, okay, I'm doing the dishes. Let's pretend I'm doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. And I think, what's one more thing I can do right now that I won't have to do later? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take but maybe 30 seconds. Or I'm waiting for something to finish cooking, and I'm going, I know tonight I'm going to have to set the coffee up. It's only two in the afternoon, right? I'm thinking, I'll just do it now. And my husband goes, that, you don't have to do that right now. I says, I'm not doing anything else. And it, but it, it's that one, what's one thing I can do right now so that I can be successful in other things, right? And that little self-reflective question has, A, not let me off the hook for some very simple things that then once they're done, I'm done. I mean, I'm done thinking about that. And so you, when you talk about eliminating decisions, being ready for your morning breakfast, going to the gym, that's very powerful. And it doesn't take that long. It doesn't. It doesn't. And what you get on the back end is the greatest gain because as you mentioned, it doesn't take much. It simply means sometimes you must sacrifice that little bit of pleasure, which is 
sitting down. And, and there's time for that. Hear, hear, hear me on that. There's time to sit and relax and unwind. But like you, you're mentioning, what is the one thing I can do now so that later it doesn't need to be done? And so if it's just getting things ready for the next day, well, guess what? My return is going to be so much greater because now tomorrow will be better. Right. And you still have time then if you're focused on that's handled, you've got time for your family, your kids, all of that stuff. So talk to me a little bit about self-leadership and how that plays into, I mean, I think you've given some good examples of it, but if there's anything else you think is important about self-leadership that you want to hone in on, and then I'd like for you to talk to me a little bit about the time you spend in your garden all the time and how that applies. You talked about the soil prep, but I think you had some other pieces. Correct. So, I, well, back up to when I, that three-year point when I became sober three years ago. So what, what happened a couple of months prior to that is I gained a promotion at work. And it was the first time I had earned this level of income. It was the first time that I was managing, my crew went from 12 to nearly 120 in this new job. And what I knew was if I didn't get myself together, Joe, not looking at anybody else, if I didn't get all of, so we say here, uh, all of my ducks in a row, I was going to lose this position that had been granted to me. And so what I knew that not only did I need to get things right at home, but I needed to get things right with Joe in order that I could be the best leader. And John Maxwell calls it the law of the lid. And so your team's only going to be able to grow to to the level of its leader. And so if, at that point, I probably was at a five, okay? And so with the things that I had going on in my personal life, I needed to remove those bad habits, those weeds, if we want to call, uh, call it that, and be able to remove it so that I could take my team to the next level. So, so often, we're always looking about how to manage our people better, how to manage our people better, and all that's great. But if you're coming in with a clean, sober mind every single day, and you are doing the things the night before to set you up for the for the next day, guess what? You're going to be able to give 100% every single day. And so I tell all of the people that I manage that I need for you to take care of you before you take care of us. Because you can't take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself because you can't give what you don't have. And so it, there's so much to be learned from, from just the law of the lid and how we're able to And it looks different for everybody. So I don't try to push my message on other people. I just share my story and what it has done for me in three years. I can't wait to see what it does in another seven to make 10. And so I know if this happens for me in three, so can everybody else get the same results. I'm no different than anybody else. How has all of this transformation impacted your older children? Because I know your your baby's still a little bit young and she didn't go through the addiction phase with you, Right. right? I'm so thankful that you asked for that because I believe so many people need to hear this. So they're now uh, 16 and 14, my, my two oldest are, and what they have seen is the transformation. They've seen that life's not perfect, but how do you handle it? Because I think so often in families, uh, and it's not just, it's nothing against the families, it's just sometimes we don't let people see our mistakes. And so then they don't know how to work through a problem. And so I've watched my children and teenagers really a lot of times struggle with confidence. They struggle with knowing who they, who they are. I did. And so they need to know that their weaknesses are okay. You don't have to cover it up. And as you hinted at earlier, you know, you have that social media lie that's out there that you, everything needs to be perfect and the filter needs to be perfect. And you take 30 pictures for that one that you post. But my children have seen that you don't have to be perfect. 
but how do you handle it? And I'm so excited when I talk to them now because I can look them eye to eye with confidence and I can look them and let them see down to my soul that all that bad stuff, all that luggage will not be passed on from the next generation to the next. And that excites me. As it should, right? So or do they feel more confident in themselves? Like, have you watched them in the last couple of three years, like yeah. even reach out and do more than they thought they could? Absolutely. So my daughter, she, she has a little bit more confidence than say my son does, for example. But I had a challenge. So you're always going to give your children money, right? And, and so people may knock me for this um, incentive that I do, but it's okay. So you're always going to give your children money. So what I decided to do was if I'm going to give them money, we're not going to give you an allowance just to give you money. That's just the way we feel. I would put up a list of motivational videos that I had watched that had impacted me. And so I would pay them five bucks per video that they would watch. And then they would tell me what the lesson was from it. It was their choice. Do they want to earn the money or do they not? So the growth starts to happen because not only are they gaining a powerful message that can help their life, but now it's also creating a common language between the two of us. And so I've watched the confidence grow so much that my son came home the other day. My wife is reading a book and she's sharing it with my son a good bit. And he said that he had a test that he forgot about last week. And one of his friends says, oh, you're going to fail it. Of course, great friends, right? They just tell him, like, they just go ahead and confirm it. You forgot, you didn't prepare it, you're going to fail it. And he remembered what his mom shared with him out of this book. That was, it's a, I forget the title off the top, but it's a lot about the mindset and how you can have that power of positive thinking. And, and he said, he remembered what lesson she taught him. And immediately he says, no, I'm going to do well on this test. He, he winds up making an A on the test. So the lesson of the story is don't forget that you have a test. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the lesson is to believe in yourself even when others don't. That's a powerful lesson. But yes. also that I, I love actually that you pay for watching those videos. <laughs> I think that's very novel because you're right. Well, let's just say in my experience, we end up giving our kids money, right? <laughs> Correct. And, and let me just tell you, they'll get older. You'll keep doing it. <laughs> Thank so, you. Well, it's not a bad thing. And they end up being great people. So that's the big bonus, right? But I think what's great about that is what you talked about is that you have a shared language. Because once we have that, and you're also saying these are important videos. So you're also setting a um, value, right? These things matter in our family. That positive mindset, going after believing in yourself. Those are those are really powerful messages to give a young person. And, you know, I think people tell kids, oh, it's the happiest time of your life. I really don't care how much money you would give me. I would never be anywhere between 12 and 21 again. It was hard. And, and I didn't have a particularly difficult life. It was just all those things you're learning and figuring out. So I think it's pretty novel of you and your wife to have that little plan and that she's also sharing with them. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible environment that we've created because what I've realized is that what is it for me to be able to go out and share the message with thousands of people when I don't share it with the ones who are inside of my own home? I was convicted with that message about two years ago that I said, this is where I'm, this is my, my platform is right here in my home. And so that's, that's where we've really just started pouring into them even more. And like you say, doing the videos and, sh- and having that shared common language. So I have a question for you. When you think about 
goal setting, oftentimes we start by saying, why this goal? Why does it matter? Do your personal values as either an individual or as a family affect the goals you go after? And if so, how do you see those linking? I mean, the values definitely play a role. I think, honestly, a lot of the goals that I have set are trying to break generational curses. Because I've seen, when I, when I reflect back and I do a genogram and I look back at the things that have been handed down, that sometimes, well, I didn't realize them until I listed it on a genogram. And so when you look at that, I'm really trying to set up the next 30 to 40 years and looking at the long game of what life is really going to be. Because I want my great-grandchildren to call me by name and remember me even when I'm not here because of the legacy that's being passed on. And it's not that I'm saying that in a vain type of way. It's so that they know what their lineage is, so that in turn, they will understand what are our values. And so I, I, I would dare say, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that my goals have my, what my, our family core values are right in them, but the umbrella is definitely of the core values because ultimately at the end of the day, it's all about how am I loving others? How am I loving myself? And how are we setting ourselves up for the long time? Because I mean, really, when I look at some of the goals that I have, it's all about just being a little bit freer so that we can go so that my wife can go and visit her family in Puerto Rico so that I can go to North Carolina to go and spend time with my mom when she has a surgery so that I don't have to be bound to certain types of ties that, that maybe I can just kind of have that little bit of release so that I can in turn be able to provide and give more for my family. Because as we said earlier, if you have a little bit, you can give a little bit. It's hard to give out of an empty vessel. Yes, right. it is. It is. And also if you hold on too tight to it, nothing <laughs> flows out of it anyway. So, Good point. Hey, so tell me if you were to think about yourself, maybe your son's age is a good place to think about, because it sounds like you were pretty successful through high school until you started bumping up into limiting beliefs. But, but I would bet it wasn't pure smooth sailing. So say there's someone listening who goes, boy, can I relate to Joe, right? I had a similar path, or I'm currently where he was just a few years ago. But if you were talking to your son, not the evolved son you now have, but before, what advice would you give him from your own, I don't know, your own path forward or give yourself when you were that age? Ultimately, I think there's one thing that we forget is that life is long <laughs> and, and to be really patient, that things don't have to happen right away. But I think the number one message is be aware of who you are and be okay with who you are. Meaning, if you grew up in a home that you didn't have access to all the things that your friends do, that's okay. You are who you are and don't pretend to be someone else. That's what got me into the addictions was trying to pretend to be something different than what I actually was. And so I was always in that fitting in role. And so really it's just don't try to conform, just be who you are. And then what happens? What do you mean, what happens? Well, so I'm just, I'm pretending I'm 12, right? Just be who you are. And okay. I'm going, okay, I'm not sure who I am, but who I am isn't going to fit in with all my friends or what if I get made fun of or all of that stuff, right? So, and we do that as adults. I work with people who have that same, it's that, well, what, 
how are people going to think of me? If I say I want this promotion at work and I want to advance, how are my colleagues who are at my same level, right? We're doing the same thing. They're going to, are they going to think, well, now I think I'm such a hotshot kind of thing. And so it's really, there's that piece, but then there's that mindset thing, as you said earlier, right? The minute you say X, that starts chattering at you. So when you come at things with just being okay with who you are, is there a secondary piece that you do to get grounded in that? I, I, that's a solid question because I honestly believe that, like, what is it that you envision? And, I, and so something, an exercise that we've done with our children, so I'm just speaking back to that 12-year-old, 14-year-old, yep. you know, is yep. that on a blank piece of paper, what is it that you envision in your life? What is it that you envision in your friend? And so write that on paper because all those choices that come up that you maybe sometimes don't have the amount of time to decide and to think about those, if you have it already listed out, it makes all of your decisions easier to make. So for example, if I say this is what I want in a friend, it'll give you better freedom to be able to break free from someone before they become your friend because you said, no, my friend's going to be encouraging, they're going to be kind, and they're going to be this. And so by listing these things out, and if you don't know, you have to trust someone to help lead you and guide you through it. And, and so ultimately, I tell my children all the time that I don't need you to be perfect. I need you to be kind. I need you to be okay with who you are, to be patient, that things are going to come your way in due time, and ultimately to encourage and to love other people. And really, if you will do those things, then everything else will fall into place. So you know what? I don't think we could end this podcast conversation on a better note, because whether you were speaking to your kids or to a room full of adults, that's a powerful, powerful message. Thank you. So any parting words before we head out? Well, nothing more than just that we kind of hinted towards just briefly about the the garden. So I just wanted to wrap it up very very briefly. So there's there's five P's, and, and I'll go through them quickly. And it's, it's basically that you have to plan. That's where your vision, that's where you write things down on paper. That's where your goals come in. Then you must prepare, which is where you actually go out and work the soil, where you pull the weeds, you get rid of the things that are going to steal all of your energy and all of the, the resources that you need. The next step is that you must plant, because a lot of times we want to take these out of order. Then you pull the weeds, then you plant the seeds. Next, you practice. And so by practice, that means you have to go out on, on uh, drought days and you have to go out and put the water in because it didn't fall from the sky. You have to go out and put the work in because in order to produce, which is the fifth P, you have to put in the planning, the preparing, the planting, the practice in, in order to produce. It's not going to happen if you don't put in all the steps in that order. You do so have to I, show up. Yes. yes, You have you to do. show up and do the work. So... You have a book that people can get, right? An ebook. Talk a little bit about that and how people can find it, and then we'll make sure to have links in the show for you. Yes. So you can visit my website at www.joepettitinspires.com. It's a free ebook. It is a very simple resource uh, that I'm able to give out to people. It is an ABC easy to follow guide. So basically, it's going to walk you through some of the core principles that I talk about, whether it's in speeches or at workshops that I'm invited to do. And it just kind of lays out what I have learned in two decades of observing and serving and being a leader so that people can then in turn be able to apply some of these different principles. And I wrote the ebook and the resource for new leaders and entrepreneurs, but I believe all people can learn from this resource. 
I think that's very generous of you. And even if you are a leader now, I think going back and looking at how other people approach things really does help us hone our own kind of saw blade, if you will, to take a Covey metaphor. Right. So I think it would be really valuable. I'm looking forward to downloading it and being able to pull from your wisdom as well. So I'm going to encourage our listeners to do the same thing. So Joe, I just want to thank you again for taking time out to be on the podcast, for actually taking initiative to reach out so that we would know about you to have you on the podcast, because that's the action part. And I really look forward to seeing you and Alex on the stage together. Thank you so much for your time. And you gave me chills when you said that because I can see it and I believe that, that you believe it as well. Well, if you just tag me when that happens, or maybe I'll even be in the audience, which would be even better. So when let happens, me know. The first person that comes to mind. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful rest of your day and keep inspiring everybody. Thank you so much. that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a No Labels, No Limits, and No Excuses life. 